Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street analysts who have taken on secret identities in order to bring you our candid thoughts on a couple of stocks out of this week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV, you've seen us quoted in the news, but our bosses would never allow our unfiltered opinions on the air, so we've disguised our voices so they'll never know. Uh, but first, a couple of caveats or uh, disclaimers, if you will, Vern. Disclosures. Yes, disclosures, what have you. Uh, this show is for entertainment purposes only. At least that's what our lawyers uh, tell us to say. And we may have a lot of conflicts of interest. So keep I know I do. I'm very I try to have as many very as possible. Uh, and also, uh, we're just doing this show after work. We're professionals during the week, but right now it's after hours. Uh, we're at a favorite spot after work. I don't want to get into all the details, but... We may be completely unprepared for what uh, for <laughs> maybe, these stock ideas. Maybe, maybe. So, um, but uh, we've been uh, we we've been doing the show. For, this is we're coming up on our third year, Vern. and we, we have just, value line to back us we up. We have here. value line. Everything you need to know about a stock on one page. We just go through the value line. We're just kicked back Almost after everything. work. So if you have one, you know, read along. I'm going to be back at the back half of the show with three really terrific ideas this week. Uh, Patterson Companies, which used to be Patterson Dental, uh, something I covered years ago. Waters Corp., which I don't know much about, and it's also rated 2 by Value Line, which uh, usually I don't look at the 2s, but I did this week. And finally, Zimmer Holdings, uh, which I have also talked about before. The whole show is indexed by ticker if you pull our XML code into uh, Internet Explorer. Uh, but first, with a, a lot of ado, because Vern is hosting the show this week back at the cabin. I'm all in favor of a do. Although the windows are closed, I have to say. Um, and uh, what? That's it. Vern Value, ladies and gentlemen. Vern Value. Why, thank you, Val. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to lead off with uh, my theme here is to try and take advantage, if we can, as an investor of the current turmoil in, uh, in the markets and uh, – uh, in our nation's capital and in our, in the capitals and uh, halls of American business, and more, most specifically, uh, for this week's purposes, in the motor vehicle, that, motor oh, vehicle okay. industry, sure. where you could, uh, I could be talking about Ford Motor or General Motors, which are, um, you know, oh, options. they're in this week's issue. Yeah, but I'm not because I Why want to it? take advantage of the current situation, not throw my money away. Or throw good money after bad, or well, their costs uh, are too high in labor, and uh, big and debate now is whether they're going to be able to use uh, political leverage to uh, get some kind of bridge financing. I think they'll try to sell it as that would really delay what most observers believe is the inevitable which is the significant downsizing and offloading of some significant long-term liabilities by the major automakers. Well, you have to do that. I mean, why would you want to invest money in a company that can't make a competitive well, car at a competitive price? way too much capacity in the industry. So, And uh, the legacy costs for the domestic automakers are uh, phenomenal. And so I don't... Uh, but you chose not course, to do those this Of week. course, we don't know if it's going to be bankruptcy or not. Or, But one way or another... 
Uh, they're, they're going to be smaller, and there's a good chance a brand or two might go away. And uh, the dealer networks are going to have to get smaller because the, the overhead there is one of the things that makes the domestic industry uh, uncompetitive, besides all the blame that traditionally is heaped on the UAW and the legacy costs represented by the retirees, uh, et cetera. You, it's a very difficult, knotty problem, I'm just trying to say. Are you recommending those this week? No, I'm recommending oh, yeah. Honda Motor. Ah, because I want somebody who can take advantage of the situation. Honda, of course, has been a significant U.S. manufacturer and assembler of light vehicles for for years years now. They even build engines. What's not American about that? Hey, they build engines. They build the powertrain here, which makes them, uh, I mean, that's the core of the vehicle. They don't have much presence in uh, fuel uh, uh, gulping large uh, light truck products. Uh, but rather are a leader in fuel-sipping compact Maybe they had some foresight vehicles on that. and are I, arguably a leader in hybrid vehicles. Um, and it looks what? like there's going to be a lot of money thrown at promoting uh, higher penetration rates for hybrid, and they've already got something that commercially works. Um, so I, my candidate, I looked at Toyota. Toyota's about six times cash flow. Honda, four times cash flow. Fifty-seven percent of sales in the U.S. and Canada, only thirteen percent in Europe. By the way, which I think is a big benefit. I'm hearing numbers there could be down twenty, twenty-five percent in two thousand nine. Well, it's going to be bumpy next it's year. It's going to be very ugly everywhere. But this stock's down fifty percent, and at this point, it's yielding four percent. And I don't know why I would have any concern about the dividend. So here's my question: very, Yeah, will the world need a well-built, attractively priced car in the future? Likely. Yeah, that's my... That's Let's put I, it this way. They, there are a lot of very uh, inefficient, uh, costly, ugly, bloated, heavy, unattractive vehicles out there on the road that are going to need to be replaced with something. What about that Tata company in India? Well, How they, do they fit they, in they, they were going to build a vehicle for about $100 or something like that. No, But that local cheap? protests over the siting of the factory forced Tata to move it to... At this point, an undetermined location, I think. So that car's not immediately uh, going to not be available. exactly, okay. no. Um, I, I calculate, uh, you know, as you, everybody knows who listens to the show regularly, we like to, uh, a valuation measure we like to look at is enterprise value to EBITDA. You invented that, didn't you, Vern? No, Did you? I, no? I can't take okay. credit for that. Right. Uh, but I am a, a proud user, a long-time user. Uh, enterprise well, like, value being the... Uh, some of the equity market cap or the share price times shares, uh, debt, total debt, or total net debt, I should say, so plus total debt minus cash on the balance sheet. So in this case, 38, according to Value Line, $38.8 billion uh, market cap plus $29.4 billion of debt minus $9.2 billion of cash leaves me with $59 billion round number enterprise value. So about a $60 billion enterprise, in other words, is what Honda Motor is. Not a small factor, a small player at all. Um, with, according to their outlook, uh, expectations that they'll earn at least uh, 10% margin on more than $100 billion of revenue. You know what I have to, can I uh, ask you something, uh, Vern? Which they have about- a total equity there. They have a total equity. Total equity is thirty-eight point eight billion. I was looking at GM the other day. Yeah. Total equity since yes. the inception what? zero. It said zero <laughs> over the history of the company. Oh, what? cumulative earnings. Cumulative. That's a lot of write-offs and stuff. But that's unfortunate. It's embarrassing when a company like Honda is putting up the numbers. Um, and you can awesome. buy this because of the uh, swoon in markets globally. Uh, you can buy this for six times um, 
value lines operating margin times sales or what we believe to be EBITDA or basically pre-tax income plus add back interest expense and the non-cash expenses of depreciation and amortization to come up with a sort of pre-financing cost cash flow estimate, which is why we use that. It's a proxy for cash flow. Um, I don't well, know why I decided you. to do a tutorial. I don't know in the why are you doing that today's right? show, well, but we've done maybe I don't have enough to say about how. I don't know. Maybe that's all you need to say. I about don't really Honda. need to. It, value it's line, a yield. Value Line heads up one of their uh, paragraphs. It seems to only be getting worse. Well, with the stock down fifty percent, I think we've accounted for the fact that sales are going to be down big for the next year or two. This company is going to gain competitively at the expense of two of the largest manufacturers of motor vehicles. North America. Well, they got a great distribution network in place to take advantage of it. Okay, so I need yeah. to be I need to be yeah, conscious you're... of the time. I'm gonna move yeah. right along to, I mean, believe it or not, I found two names in the auto and truck industry, uh, which you would never guess what based on what you read in the papers, but um, that look interesting to me. The other one is Navistar International. This is the old, uh, uh, well, the old international, international harvester, international I guess, harvester. and. Uh, really just the surviving truck company at this point. Well, and they have a business that makes engines. Uh, let's see, truck, 61%. Engines and parts, 23%. Replacement parts, 12%. So that would be for the trucks, I guess. And financial services, 4%. Because they have a financial uh, products, because they have a credit operation that's commingled on this consolidated balance sheet, I'm not sure exactly that I know what the capital structure looks like. They they're showing six and a half billion of debt, uh, equity market cap. You know, is only one point four billion here. There's uh, shareholders' equity is basically zero on the balance sheet, so there's no book value. Um, and I don't know how much of this debt is of an entity that That's you an would accounting mess. That yeah, company. it really to figure really, out remember, what I remember the returns are. I think. Are, but what I do see is I see that the sales have been growing rapidly over the last year or so. And operating margin, which had fallen to 5%, apparently close to 10% in 2008, October fiscal year. So I'm going to assume the value lines estimate is going to be very close. Uh, this stock's down 75%, I think, because of the leverage and the need to uh, refinance course, what are definitely. almost certainly you know, a lot of short-term obligations, you'd think. Except well, we don't that, have a schedule on here. Well, we but va- well, but they do. Oh, do value, they? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, value line always has a due in five years number, which I never pay much attention to because it's almost always the same number as total debt. But in this case, it's only four hundred million out of six and a half billion. So this says, I mean, if that's right, interesting. There's no refinancing risk. The credit, the current credit environment's no big deal. And this company, ladies and gentlemen, does almost all their business in the Americas. Broadly defined, but what that really means is they do 70% of their business in the good old U.S. of A., another big chunk in Canada and Mexico, NAFTA members. So I, there's a, a, every opportunity for the end markets of this company to significantly outperform the rest of the heavy truck or the truck manufacturing industry globally. Value line showing it with the stock price at about $20.00. Expectations for ten dollars in gross cash flow, seven dollars in free cash flow. I don't know if that's realistic, but I do know, ladies and gentlemen, that the uh, the commercial truck industry in North America has been down big, two thousand seven and two thousand and eight. So we're we must be closer. Well, we're not anywhere near a peak. Let's put it that way. And this company's been the primary beneficiary of uh, the uh, U.S. and Marine uh, Army and Marine Corps efforts to uh, uh, produce what they call or provide uh, more uh, better protective transportation for the troops 
on the ground in Iraq and Afghanistan, the MRAP program, which is what? Mine-resistant ambush protected vehicles. Navistar's built know. a few That's thousand of these now and generated several billion of revenue and looks like they have significant incremental opportunities there. So there's something uh, – there, there must be more than I can glean from this sheet of paper you would that would so. explain the stock being at 20 with free cash flow, you know, a third of that number. Um, and a, what looks to be a, really a screaming opportunity. So do some homework here, but Navistar, symbol is NAV. And then uh, the last one I have this week is one that I don't really know much about, but it has a, it's a combination of uh, some names that are very familiar to me. Uh, the name of the company is Thermo Fisher Scientific. The symbol is TMO, trades in New York. Uh, this is a combination of the old thermoelectron, which I never really knew a lot about or understood a lot, but had a terrific reputation as a uh, innovator and incubator of new businesses. I didn't know much about it. I and um, they apparently acquired Fisher Scientific International in November of 2006, a name that's been around for a long time. I have this idea of making some kind of uh, analytical or laboratory devices, but I'm not sure. The combined business today apparently has two segments, analytical tech, 42%, and lab products and services, 58 with no explanation of what they are. Hmm. So, ladies Mad and gentlemen, me. if you want to learn more about Thermo Fisher Scientific, turn me off right now and go, go, to their go, go, go to their website. Okay, But uh, the stock uh, value line is showing a $32 stock price compared with a book value of 36 I mean, I think it's fair to note we do not have – Internet access. Right, yeah. And we're just doing the show. I mean, I, I, we're just having a beverage. Hard copy of the yeah. report Look, here. Okay. We're just reading value line. So um, I see uh, the stock's down 50%. Of course, the market's down a lot. Uh, cash flow, uh, 5 to $6. Stock, 32 I'm, We're talking, what, six times cash flow with very little capital spending. For I, I think that was part of the thermoelectron business model was to be very uh, you know, asset light. I didn't know that, that company. Mm. Well, I I, in the so the mystery for me is they generate high operating margins. They had been in the low mid teens. They acquired Fisher Scientific. Now their operating margins are in the twenty five percent range. They don't spend much on capex. Uh, their their debt to total capitalization is only debt's only twelve percent of total cap. They have about two point two billion in debt. High they have one point two billion margins. in cash, so it's not over leveraged. Monopolies, it's not over leveraged. Yet return on total capital is only eight percent. Mm, over invested in it's facilities. It's way over. Run it's, by scientists. I don't think it's facilities. I think I think they, it's just an overcapitalized balance sheet that is begging for some kind of either massive buyback or a massive special dividend to shareholders. Is it, is it in cash? The board recently authorized a half a billion dollars for a buyback. Is the excess capital, do they have a bunch of cash? They have $1.2 billion of cash. Huh. But that's not, uh, their value line's calculating a 9%, 8 9% return on capital. I, I, it looks to me, the profile otherwise looks like an entity that would be earning you know, 15 to 20% return on capital. So I think there's a better business here than the market is pricing in, and you ought to take a look at it, and it's called Thermo Fisher Scientific TMO. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to the man with the answers, Val Hughes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much, Vern, this week. Uh, let's have a beverage break. Beverage a toast break. to the show. To the show. In our soon-to-be coming into our fourth year doing the show. So uh, I think we missed uh, one week. I think we took someone took a trip. 
somewhere out of touch. I think we may have missed um, uh, two, actually. And uh, both, I believe, over significant holidays. Yeah, it could be. All right. Well, this week I've done vastly... And we have some of that coming up, so we'll have to negotiate that. Uh, vastly less Time work off. this week than I'd hope to do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the nice thing is... is that, Less than usual? Well... Is that possible? Uh, no, not less than usual. Just less than I'd hope. Oh. That's all. But I, okay. I'm familiar with a couple of these. I've owned them. I don't own any of these this week. But I like this issue because they have a lot of interesting... Uh, equipment manufacturers that do really cool things like science. Well, they call stuff. it the uh, precision instruments. Precision industry. instruments. <laughs> I love that. It's doing something really important that only it can do because it's so precise. I'm picturing a uh, you know a compass. Well, or something like it that. It gets way better. Uh, so anyway, my first one up this week. I picked one out of that group. It's called Waters Corp. Ticker WAT. I don't know much about it other than what's on this page, on page 145 in this week's mm. value. I forgot the page numbers. Well, no no, no one's shocked with, by that. All right, what does Waters do? I, You know, you could listen longer, and I could spin a tale about a bunch of interesting things. I'm going to get right to the point, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, on this one. No tail Water spinning. Water Corporation is the world's largest manufacturer and distributor of high-performance liquid Chromatography. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Instruments. Okay. Uh, chromatography columns and other consumables. And all I'm picturing is laboratories that use these products to figure out what different elements and compounds are doing. I took chemistry in college, but I wasn't uh, really drawn to it as a profession. But I do remember there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's in in beakers and in glass instruments and these guys make the instruments and i think you run gases through this and there's chemical reactions and you invent things so my theme on this <laughs> i don't want to get think into that's really yeah, pretty technical for I don't our audience get into too much detail <laughs> <laughs> but my theme is productivity okay we're in a little bit of a downturn got to call you on this uh, okay no listen i don't want to i don't want to bore the listener with all the detail i'm just going to stop right there on that but the theme is productivity growing faster than gdp people still spending on things to invent things invent their way to growth in case the whole economy is going down you need to gain market share you need to invent things new things are high margins so everyone's going to be willing to spend a little bit on r and d uh, these guys put up 28% operating margins. That means proprietary to me. And amazingly, returns on capital in the 20s and 30s percent. They lever it a little bit, and uh, they're turning, you know, return on equity in the 30s and 40s. Now, according to Value Line, uh, they're going to have uh, a more cautious approach in here because uh, evidently thing, they're getting caught up in the current economic environment. Okay, well, how did they how did they not get out of the way of that? God. So in any case, uh, they're just muddling through. Well, there's an awful lot of air in here. Exactly. They have a ton of cash. Enterprise value to EBITDA, the way we calculate it, is around nine times on this one. The PE is 11 times, and you're like, well, where's the disconnect on that? Because usually the enterprise value to EBITDA should be lower because of the taxes. They have a very low tax rate. It doesn't exactly say why. That could be a risk here in some sense that they, you know, maybe have facilities in Ireland or somewhere. Where two, you, of, two of the stocks I talked about have low tax rates. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the enterprise value to EBITDA is the better valuation here because if the tax thing goes away, 
you know, you're not really paying well, for it that. It gives you comparability across yeah, companies. Yeah, comparability. But here, in effect, while they have the lower tax rate, you're getting that cash. It's not in an enterprise value EBITDA calculation, so you're getting nine times, or if I do the inverse of that, 11% cash return on my investment. Plus, I'm going to get a little bit of tax savings that's not in that calculation so that's a little extra like a cherry Uh, and uh and then on top of my 11 percent cash on cash return i'm going to have growth here which according to value line is going to be 11 percent or 13 percent and i'm just inclined to even just cut that in half if you can earn 15 percent right now um in terms of cash return plus growth that's going to be pretty attractive so waters corp uh w-a-t I, I kind of like that. Never heard of it. Okay, next up, uh, Patterson Companies, PDCO, page 223. And I do like to give the page numbers for your convenience. Oh, go ahead. Rub it in. Yeah. And so, uh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything mm-hmm. by that. Uh, in any case, uh, this company, I've known this company for a long time. They started out as a dental company, and they took a big market share in the United States. Henry Shine's the other big competitor there that's won out. They both kind of split the market. And these guys, um, in order to add growth when that market was pretty saturated, they got involved with the veterinarian market. And uh, oh, So that's know, why it's not just Patterson Dental. Anymore. Right. They're companies now. Okay. So they have veterinarians. And then they also do uh, rehabilitative medi- and medical supplies uh, so they're they're going into things where it's stable markets. Their expertise is in logistics and distribution. Same business model. Same model, and they're just growing it out very slowly. Now, they do have some reliance on individual product sales, like I know in dental. That's when I used to know them better, which is still, I think, 65 or 70% of their business, 74. What are you talking about, picking the right toothbrush? Well, no, no. When you have a new machine that comes out, like an X-ray machine or a nice new chair that all the dentists have to have, and believe me, they, they all get involved in what their office They're going to rely like. on you to tell them which ones they ought well, to take a look yeah, at or that, That's or all not, true, but, or... but the point I'm going to make is just that those are very high gross margin items, so that's the kind of thing. You like the repeatability oh. of dental mm-hmm. supplies, but the guy can put off the chair or the new X-ray machine, and that takes a big hit to your earnings but it only is like a one-year hit. Then you get to a steady state of growth. We've talked about Pool Corp in terms of supplying pools. Well, and because you're there all the, the time with the consumables, you have a regular opportunity yeah. to revisit yeah, you're that always, decision. You're always there. You can always sell them. You're just a happy guy visiting your dentist. And one of the things you supply to your dentist is knowledge of what other dentist, dental practices are worth. It's kind of like a bee, you know, all the flowers. Very valuable position. People pay to have, you know, these guys move from company to company. It's a very interesting business. But in any case, uh, they're going to have a little bit of a slowdown because of that. But otherwise, you've got a very stable company here returning 15% on capital, 20% on equity. They do... You know, 12, 13% operating margins, very stable for, I mean, t- 10 years. Uh, they do use excess cash in uh, buybacks. They've always done this. It's a very well-run company historically. Uh, Pete Frechette here is the longtime chairman. Uh, he's just run this company uh, tremendously well over the years. Is he good-looking, too? Uh, he was in his day, my friend. He was in his day. I think he's in his 70s now, and he's just uh, continuing to lead this firm okay. in a positive way. He's in the Distribution Hall of Fame. Uh, Let's move he on. He should be. I'm not kidding you. The the, the wealth he's built at this company is amazing. Uh, they're going to grow probably 10 11% What's in the, the market next cap? five years. I'm just curious. Uh, it's uh, approaching $3 billion. $3 billion. $3 billion. It was probably like 300 million when you first looked at it, right? 
Uh, well, it doesn't go back that far, my friend. It went public in '91, and it must have been a couple hundred million. That's ten. It's a tenfold uh, deal. So, and yet the the thing that I'm impressed by is their return on capital this year at 14 percent has been stable over five six years. While they've gone from a billion nine in sales to three billion, they've added a billion in sales and maintained a 15 percent return on capital. That's pretty impressive. Anyway, Patterson Companies. Uh, did I say anything about the valuation? No, well, I did. The, I mean, how's the stock it's 12 going relatively? Because this was a this was a kind of a busted growth story at one point. Well, when it? they started adding those other businesses, it took a little bit out of the dental business. Okay. Plus, they'd fully taken on their share in the whole U.S. market, so that expansion program wore off, and they never found anything as big as dental. People always thought maybe they'd go to Europe and do that, but they didn't do that. So yeah, they ran into well, some. What's the growth. verdict then? Is it working? No, it's, it's the verdict is you think you've they're got, creating value with the. Multiple? Yeah, listen, my okay. friend, these guys are very stable, and in these difficult times, people need dental. It's not something that you can postpone forever. It's a need, not a want. A theme we've been using on the show. Well, and there's every chance it'll be your, years. you know, right under. Uh, um. Yeah, maybe and the know, balance sheet's okay. Changes to could come. be. Anyway, Patterson Dental, PDCO, page two twenty three. Uh, and finally this week, Zimmer Holdings, ZMH, page 234. Didn't I do that? Well, I, I hope don't know. not because look at that chart. I don't know if you did. Uh, oh, yeah, you did. Look at that. It's way down. Anyway, Zimmer. Well, but one of the interesting things, did you notice this on yours? I've got two of these stocks that are down huge, are actually maintaining a kind of a pattern of outperformance. And, well, that's about the big to roll fall over. fall off you're you looking think? at, well, a big piece of that water is. water like that? No, see, see, water's been like that, too. These precision yeah. instrument companies they're going, have done a they, great so they're, job. They're down a ton, now, but it's really story. mostly with the market. Let me just tell quickly the story on Zimmer because we're running out of time. Yeah, sorry. Zimmer sells orthopedics. There's a demographic story. They have four competitors. They do 70% gross margins on product sales. The product is sold by the doctor to a patient. He brings Zimmer along or, or Stryker or the other firms. Doctors usually stick with a product type for a long time, a brand. And so they have these high gross margins. They do 40% operating margins, 14% return on capital, 15 on equity. <coughs> Excuse me, they don't have much debt. The risk here is Medicare payments, Medicaid payments will shrink, and that's always a risk. But because you're wrapped up with the doctor, that hasn't tended to happen too much. The stocks come in a lot on that risk. I think it's priced in. It's 9.6 times earnings. Unbelievable. And, uh, you know, you've got this demographic wind at your back where you're going to need these devices implanted into your body, and they're not going to have the guy down at the post office doing it. So, yes, it's going to cost a lot because... <laughs> the guy at the post office? Whatever. This is high-skill <laughs> stuff, and you're not going to begin okay. having sales Don't on the doctor needs. at the post office uh, anyway, or at Walmart. So I think my point in that, my little anecdote, yeah. is that their margins are going to hold up. Okay. Uh, Value Line says they're going to grow at 10% a year. You know, that could be a little low. Um, they're <laughs> enterprise. Well, the reason I say that is they get they get decent price. Uh, well, that's the question: is the volume no dispute, right? But yeah. The question's price. The question is price. The yeah. question is price. So anyway, uh, go ahead. So it is a bit of an unknown. Um, but the, when but you have a need, not a want. Discounted under when 10 you have earnings. a need, not a want. Uh, you're going to pay up when it's something that goes oh, in your in your body, and that's everyone's right to be able to walk. So I think mm-hmm. we're okay on that. I'd support that. Uh, I'm sorry, people, that Vern has taken my time on this one. I'm just not going to have time. Oh, to I think we've on. heard all we really need to um, hear. About I haven't Zimmer. given the valuation. You never want to get into that. It's ten times earnings, ladies and gentlemen. 
They got five hundred million in cash. No debt. They buy. Can I finish my story instead of answering your questions? Really, because now I've lost my place, and uh, it's a great little company. It's back to prices it was in two thousand two. And, you know, what can I tell you? Their sales have nearly tripled in that time frame. Zimmer Holdings, ZMH, page 234. Favorite this week is going to have to be Waters Corp. Really? Waters Corp? Uh, ooh. And so I have to decide now in, oh, my God, there's not much time left. I have to just, I have to pick one. Which one will it be? Uh, I'll say uh, Honda. See you next week. We're out of time. <laughs> We're out of time now. We're out of time.